0: Amen. Thank God for his precious blood and for his love for all of us. I am thankful that you're here. I don't have a lot of time, but if you would give me your attention for a few moments, let me take you to the book of Matthew, chapter 27. I'm going to read beginning with verse number sixty-two, Matthew 27, 62. I'm going to read down into chapter 28. Because remember that when this was originally written, there were no numbers and there were no chapters. It was just a letter. And so it reads like this. Now the next day, that's the day after the crucifixion, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said... While he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, as the last error shall be more worse than the first. And so Pilate said unto them, You have a watch. Go your way and make it as sure as you can. You ought to underline those words. Make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. In the beginning of the Sabbath, As it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary, Magdalene, and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him the keepers did shake and become as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he had said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. Amen. Everybody said amen. There's a word that is used several times in this passage that I want to use as my text today. It was the haters that first said it. He will rise again. I want to use that one single word, rise. Everybody say that with me, rise. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the Word of God. What an incredible day Easter is, and what an awesome time to be in God's house. Amen. Easter, there's nothing like it, and for me it never gets old, even though I can celebrate Resurrection every day of the year, there's something about this day. I have anticipated it for quite some time, and I didn't sleep well last night because I was anxious to get here today and join together with you in worship and to praise and magnify the Lord of glory. I never get tired of it. It never gets old. Because what life means to us this morning, here and now, and even forevermore, has been radically transformed because he came, he died, and he rose again. We do not celebrate this morning a past event. Please understand that. We are not here mourning the dead. We are here celebrating the life. Amen. Somebody... Or to clap your hands to the living King. Amen. We celebrate a living truth. He is risen. Amen. You can't say it any better or any more powerful and any more anointed than those three words. He is risen. I think the greatest challenge for me as a preacher is to try to present the Easter story in a fresh and inspiring way. But how can you better? How can you improve? How can you compete with the original translation and the original presentation? In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, and so begins that eventful day, To me, those lines are much like Charles Dickens' lines in the opening of the tale of two cities. It was the best of time. It was the worst of time. When you read those words in Matthew's gospel, there's something about them that charged my soul. I remember reading some uh, few years ago, I believe it was in 2014, of a senior Al-Qaeda leader named Nasser al-Washui, or something of that <laughs> uh, I'm not real sure that's how, that's how I'm, I'm pronouncing it. But he said, while he was preaching to some of his radical converts, he made this statement, We must eliminate the cross. We must eliminate the cross and when I read that back then and even when I think about it this morning I laugh I I cannot hold back the, the 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 humor that comes to my spirit when I realize how foolish this man was Nassau you can join the ranks of others who have tried to put it out and to put it down but You cannot eliminate what you cannot control. You can put all the watches you want around the tomb, but when he gets ready to come out, he's coming out. Amen. You cannot hold or quarantine a living God. Jesus said, no man takes my life. I lay it down of myself. Amen. Many have tried and failed through the centuries to uh, dis- uh, connect themselves from that story. But the truth is they are much like the chief priest who tried to manufacture a story and control the fallout of the possible resurrection. You say you cannot eliminate the truth of Easter. The cross Is empty. The grave is empty. The shroud is empty. He is risen. No one rescued him. He came out of his own power. He came out of his own authority. He arose. Everybody say arose. I often think of others through the years that have tried to. Uh, try somehow to, uh, to affect people's belief in the resurrection. And I think probably one of the most influential men of our country was a man by the name of Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was one of the wisest and most learned of our early fathers of our nation. He was probably singly the most uh, influential in a certain time of writing the Declaration of Independence. And so much was put upon this young man because of his wisdom. But Thomas Jefferson had a problem. Thomas Jefferson did not believe in the miraculous. He believed in God and he believed the Bible to a degree, but he didn't believe in the miraculous. And so Thomas Jefferson, in his wisdom, took a penknife and he went through his Bible and he began to cut out every story that had to do with miraculous events. The sad thing is that his version ends at the tomb. There's nothing beyond the tomb. There are no book of Acts. There's no epistles because all that came after the tomb was too much for Thomas Jefferson to believe. And so if you were to go to Washington, D.C. and go, I believe it's still housed in the Smithsonian Institute. And you go into the area where the presidents, their legacies are being stored. You will find his Bible. And you'll also see his tomb. Amen. But Jesus is still alive. Amen. But I'm thankful that my Bible still reads like this. And I'm combining the Gospels to give you the story. He said in the end of the Sabbath as it began to dawn came the two Marys to see the sepulcher saying among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away. And entering in, they saw a young man sitting, clothed in white. And he said unto them, Be not afraid. You seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here, as he said. Praise God. Philip Brooks said it like this Tomb thou shalt not hold him longer. Death is strong, but life is stronger. Stronger than the dark, the light. Stronger than the wrong, the right. Faith and hope triumphant say, Christ did rise on Easter Day. If you believe that, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now. Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. When I read those verses a few weeks ago, what an ironic mixture of, of words are found in our text. The be, the the end, the beginning. He was and he is. When I read that again this week, it just came alive. That's the reality of the resurrection. Resurrection morning was the day that God drew a line between two opposing thoughts, between the end and the beginning, between a terminus and a commencement, between a stopping place and a starting place, between a closure and an opening. And that's the message of the resurrection it was an end of some things but it was the beginning of something greater and more wonderful than man could even imagine. On that day long ago God drew a line between two worlds. The world that was and the world that is and shall be. The world that came and stopped and the world that opened up and began. The world that was And the world that is to be. You may be disheartened this morning. But I am not. Amen. Because I know that what was cannot outweigh what is. Amen. What was has no more power over me because of what is. He is alive. He is real. He is here today in this place. Amen. And we rejoice in him. We no longer define our lives in a past tense. But because of the resurrection, all of us have a future. Amen. All of us have a hope. I love the word. It says, as it began to dawn toward, the resurrection is always something that will move you forward. And that's why I rejoice today. The resurrection signals something important. It is a transitional point in life from what was to what is. An end and now a new beginning. And at Easter we celebrate the greatest message that mortal ears have ever heard. He is not here. Would you say that with me? He is not here. The greatest words that mortal ears, those four words changed Everything for humanity It put new meaning into life It redefines our future And it gives hope To a fresh start And no one has to be cursed By what was Amen Because he broke the curse I believe the great message of Christmas is cl- Or Easter is clear to all of us It is the affirmation That first and foremost God's plan and his eternal purpose will be fulfilled. Whatever God said, he will keep his word. He will not fail. God promised in the very beginning. And really when I got to thinking about this this week, I thought, you know what, to understand and appreciate the resurrection, you've got to go all the way back to Genesis, to the book of beginnings, and understand what took place there What was lost there and forfeited. And then the promise that God made to Eve and Adam. In that moment of failure. This is what he said. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Speaking of the serpent. And between your offspring and her offspring. And he will crush your head. And you will bruise his heel. And that's exactly what happened. Amen. They bruised him, but he broke them. Amen. That's why we celebrate. That's why it's exciting to come to church. Because all that hell could do was just hurt you. It cannot keep you. Amen. God will not leave unfinished business in my life or in your life. God will keep his promise. Amen. He will finish what he starts. And that's the great promise of Easter. Easter is the affirmation that though Satan tried, he could not stop him. He beat him to the point of death, nailed into his hands and feet the spikes and a spear into his side. But the cross did not and could not stop him. Amen. The grave could not hold him because truth that was crushed to the ground rose again. Amen. You see, Jesus is a representation of the life that cannot be conquered or defeated. And the great part of that is he's decided to share that with us. He decided to let us in on that. What a great deal God has given to us. The Easter message to me is one of the most important messages because it tells me that you and I matter. Would you look at somebody next to you and punch them and say, You matter. You're important to God. Amen. You need to wake them up because they, they may be having dreams of Easter eggs in a little while. Wake them up. Tell them you matter. That's what the resurrection really says about all of us is that we matter. We're of such worth that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. Amen. Amen. You have meaning and I have meaning with him. My life matters more than any of us can even understand. But I, I want to. I've said all that to get us to my point And I'm going to close. Some of you don't believe that. You know when the preacher takes his watch off. And looks at it. That doesn't mean anything. But I'm going to close. I'm going to give you a warning right now. But at the beginning of the year. When I started looking toward Easter. I, I just. I wanted God to give us a theme. Something that we could use as a as a springboard to push us uh, into a, a, a better place and this one word rise came into my mind and I, it was early in the morning I don't remember if I was asleep in my dreams or if it was in prayer I just remember that that word rise and I told Landon and I said that's what our theme's going to be this Easter rise and then I started reading and I started studying and beginning to research and I, I discovered that in the Greek there, there, the definition of the word rise is so powerful and it is so impelling. Both words uh, are, are found arise and rise in our text and they come from two Greek words uh, and I don't even want to try to pronounce them. I, well, maybe I'll try. Anastami, That's pretty good. Is that right? My brother's a Greek scholar. Anastami And Egero? All right. Those are two Greek. You know I know a little bit of Greek. But the meaning of that, those two words... Is what got a hold of me. It means to wake up. It means to rouse from sleep or sitting. To rise from obscurity or inactivity or ruin. But this is, this is the catcher between both of those. Both of them have this one singular meaning. They mean to stand up to. Stand up to. And when I thought about that and I went back over the Easter story, I realized that that's what Easter really is all about. It's about God standing up to all the things that have terrified humanity from the beginning of the fall until that moment in time. He stood up to the things that had intimidated and harassed and overwhelmed and overcome. And at Easter time, Jesus stood up to all the things that torment the human experience. Hebrews 2 and 14 said, Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, he also shared in these so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death that is the devil and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. For it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offspring. He came like me, and he stood up to death, which is life's grim reaper. He stood up to sin, which is life's cancer. He stood up to fear, which is life's intimidator. He stood up to hopelessness, which is life's depressor. He stood up to unworthiness, which is life's limiter. He stood up with his blood to sickness, which is life's troubler. He stood up to death, dead religion, I should say, which is life's curse. He stood up to unbelief, life's excuse. He stood up to hatred, which is life's sickness. And he stood up to worry and anxiety, which is life's irritant and disturber. And by standing up to those things, he then turned and looked at us and said, now you can stand up to those things. Because I'm going to share my spirit with you. Because I came like you. And I have conquered these things in your likeness. I'm going to share in my victory. And so because of the resurrection. You and I no longer have to be intimidated by the grim reaper. We don't have to worry about the cancer of sin. Because there's a remedy. We don't have to be intimidated by fear. We don't have to be depressed by hopelessness. We don't have to be limited by a sense of unworthiness. We don't have to be plagued by sickness. We don't have to live under the curse of dead religion. Amen. He stood up to it. Amen. So that you would stand up to it. The things that intimidate you. The things that overwhelm you, the things that trouble you and disturb you, God empowers you to stand up to them and say no more, no longer, because I claim the power of the resurrection in my life, and I now have that same authority to look sickness and hatred and unbelief and anxiety in the face and say you no longer have a hole over my life. Clap your hands to the Lord. That's all right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know what troubles you this morning. We have a vast array in this audience of people. But I'm sure that somewhere among the things that I mentioned, there's something that troubles you. Maybe it's a little tinge of unbelief. Maybe it's a... A sense of unworthiness. Maybe it's a spirit of hatred and bitterness that you can't seem to shake loose of. Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's hopelessness. Maybe it's feeling like that life has no purpose or sense of being meaning. Maybe it's fear that comes and creeps into your life and whispers in your ear that you'll never make it. I want to tell you something about this Sunday morning that makes it so exciting to be here is that he rose so that you can rise and you can look fear in the face and you can look doubt in the eye and you can look worry in the face and say no longer will you control my life because there's power in the resurrected Lord. There's power to save me from my fears. Man, In a cemetery in Hanover, Germany is a grave on which were placed huge slabs of granite and marble cemented together and fastened with heavy steel clasps. It belonged to a woman who did not believe in the resurrection and she did not believe that the dead could rise again. And so strangely she directed in her will that her grave be made so secure that if there was a resurrection, it would not affect her. And on the marker were inscribed these words, this burial place must never be opened. Little did they know that as they were putting all of that contraption together that a tiny little seed had fallen into the ground underneath some of those great marble slabs. And over the years time and effect of moisture and heat that seed began to move and come alive. And it began to grow and it began in time to move its way out of the earth toward the sunlight toward its creator. And slowly but surely, through the years, it pushed and pushed against the things that were not to be opened. It pushed and pushed against the marble that could not be moved. And as the trunk of the tree emerged through the cracks in the marble, it grew and grew and grew. And as it grew, the ground gradually shifted and the steel clasps that were holding those slabs together were strained and then one day when they came in they saw that they had been broken. And then the grave, the stone that was not to be moved was opened. (laughs) Oh, I'm telling you, you can't keep a good man down. Amen. You can't keep a good man down. And so it was on that occasion and so it will be in your life. Even if you die, death cannot hold you. Because one day a trump's going to sound. Come on, Brother Clyde T. And the Bible said the dead in Christ shall rise. That's the word he said. They're going to stand up. And they're going to look great. The the grave and death in the eye. And say so long. I've got a new home. I'm leaving here. Amen. Let's stand together. Rise. 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 Stand up to it. Fear. Doubt. Unbelief. Hatred. Whatever it is. Because He lives. I can live also. Because He lives. Because He lives. C.H. McIntosh wrote these words. There is power in the presence of of a risen Savior to solve our difficulties to remove our perplexities to calm our fears to ease our burdens to dry our tears to meet our every need tranquilize our minds and satisfy every craving of our hearts there's power in the presence of a risen Savior. Hallelujah. Stand up. There's power to stand up to life and say, You might have held me, but you're not holding me anymore. That maybe was. That may be how it was, but that's not how it's going to be. Amen. What looks to be an end is actually a beginning. Would you reach over and just take someone by the hand next to you right now? We're going to pray. God, I know that we come today as family and friends to worship. We do not come to a grave. We come to an open sepulcher. We come to a resurrected Lord to give you praise and honor and thanks for what all you've done. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will speak to every heart in this building the message of Easter. You in the name of Jesus. Saving, so you came and changed.